0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. About 20 years ago, we were in the first building that we had, and it was uh, the roller rink. I remember the roller rink days. We, we were over in the roller rink, and uh, I had a, a friend come up from Houston who was a pastor, and we were walking around, now, I was showing him the wonders of the roller rink church. And uh, Although it did have the coolest floor, because it had one of those old uh, it was built as a roller rink, and it had a floor they put in in the early 70s. It was hardwood. It was gorgeous. In fact, people said, why don't you all put that same kind of floor in the new church? It's like, yeah, right. Um, um, <laughs> he was walking around. We were, we were just walking through, and I was giving him a tour, and somebody came up to me. I, I don't know if it's a staff member or not. Uh, a young person came up and said, Alan, do, do you want me to put this over, over somewhere else? I said, yeah, yeah, if you can put it there in the back, that'd be great. They walked away, and my friend, who was a pastor, looked at me. He said, do you let your people call you Alan? And I was about to answer him. He said, I never let my people call me by my first name. They have to call me Pastor, and he gave his name. And I said, well, a few things. One, Alan is my name. <laughs> I said, number two, I said, they're not my people. I said, they're, they're God's people. They're not mine. They're... I mean, I love y'all, but y'all ain't mine. You know, that, uh... <laughs> You're know that's the Lord's people. And I said, and number three, I said, some people can call me Alan, and there's more love and respect in, in the way they say my name than some people who've called me pastor, and you can hear the sarcasm dripping from their voice the moment they say it. And what, what I was talking to him about is this. It's not the title, it's the heart behind it. You've had people, when they saw you, they said, hello. And you've had people that have seen you and go, hello. Same word, different heart. This morning we're going to talk about a heart for blessings. We've been talking about a blessed life. We've talked about a lot of different perspectives of that. I want to talk about just a heart for blessings. And the heart, when I'm talking about the heart, I'm talking about really the core of who we are. So we're going to talk about a heart for blessings or a blessed heart, not to be confused with bless your heart, which has a whole different meaning. And, and so we're talking about just a heart to be blessed, but we use that term a lot. We use the heart. You know, someone says, I love you with all of my kidneys. No, I love you with all my Number, the number two, according to most internet polls, the number two emoji that's used by people is the red heart. That's number two. You know what number one is? It's the crying, laughing face. That's number one. My, my favorite one didn't even make it. My favorite one, I, I, it may, maybe it's a little bit old school. My favorite one is the thumbs up. Because see, the thumbs up Covers so many different things. Thumbs up means I got it. Thumbs up means good. Thumbs up mean I'm not texting you anymore. Thumbs up. We're, <laughs> we're done. It's the all-purpose, all-purpose emoji. But heart's number two. You ever hear people watch people, athletes, and maybe they do something and they'll, they'll hit their heart. We use it to depict to, to courage. It, it, it's a, someone's got a lot of heart, they say, or a team has a lot of, a lot of heart. And so they'll, they'll hit their heart. It, it depicts courage. Or we use it to describe someone who has an affinity for something. Like you especially hear it in church circles. We'll say things like, well, they, they've got a heart for youth. I appreciate it. we had some people that gave for our youth to make our youth retreat $99. That's a huge blessing. And, and so some people gave so they could offset that. They got a heart for youth. Some people have a heart for missions or a heart for the law. So we use that term a lot. But hearts and blessings are associated. They're tied in. And the thing about God is the heart matters a lot to him. And I want to show you a, a verse. I've, I've, I've loved this verse. This verse was used in reference to, uh, to King David. But it's, it's in 1 Samuel. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, which I love the idea of that is we get so caught up in externals and, you you know, we we get caught up in what my, how I look, my appearance, maybe my background. God's not even looking at that. He's looking at our heart and and that's a wonderful thing. I mean, you can change your externals. It's not necessarily going to, to change your view of God or God's view of you. There was a lady named Marilyn, 40 years old, had a heart attack. Wound up in the hospital, and when she woke up from surgery, she, she cried out to the Lord. She said, Lord, I'm only 40. I'm way, way, way too young to die. Lord, can, is this it for my life? And the Lord spoke to her heart and said, no, no, Marilyn, you, you got 45 more years. She's like, wonderful. So since she had 45 more years, she had some work done. Had a facelift, put Botox in her lifts, added various different enhancements, Got a tummy tuck, liposuction, a new hairdo with extensions. Three weeks later, she walked out of there feeling like a brand new woman. Walked across the hospital parking lot, was run over by an ambulance and died. When she got to heaven, she said, Lord, I thought you said I had 45 years left. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry, Marilyn, we did not recognize you. <laughs> Now, you do understand there is no theological value in that joke whatsoever. (laughs) But the externals don't matter. And, you know, here's the thing I love about that verse. God's looking at the heart. Aren't you glad you don't have to have a certain look or be a certain age or have a certain background? But you can have a heart. And maybe the externals can't change, but the internal can change. We can change our heart. We can tweak our heart. And I want to give you an example of a guy this, this morning who had a heart that God could bless And then we're going to see how we can develop that very same kind of heart. It's possible. That's good news. His name was Solomon. He was the son of David. He was the second king of Israel. And when he was a young man, his father had died. And Solomon, we get a picture of his heart here in 1 Kings. It said, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I think we see something there in Solomon that Solomon really had. He was a young man. Uh, historians say he's probably in his 20s. And he just had a heart for God. You say, well, how can you see that? He said he had a heart for God because... He began to obey everything his father, David. David was a very godly man. David taught him in godly ways. And Solomon, because he loved God, began to do that. And he had a heart for God. And then we see something that the Bible mentions twice. This story is actually twice in the Bible, different books. But it said that Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Now, the Bible doesn't always list it, but this was a significant gift. Most of the time, burnt offerings were animals. And can you imagine a thousand burnt offerings? That's like emptying out the whole Houston livestock and rodeo. That's a lot of animals. And it was significant enough that the Bible records it twice. And it said he was, he loved God, he did the right thing. I often think it's interesting where it said, except, in other words, he wasn't perfect, except he he offered sacrifices at this high place, even though God had established in Jerusalem the Ark of the Covenant. Actually, that was where, He was supposed to do it. So in other words, Solomon wasn't perfect, but he had a right heart. I don't know about you, but as I look back on my life, especially those of us who've walked with the Lord for any length of time, we can look back on our life and look at some of the stupid stuff we did and recognize that God was so merciful to us, not because we were perfect, it's because he saw our heart. So Solomon, Solomon just had a heart for God. And remember, God comes to him in a dream and says, ask, what should I give you? That is a blank check now, I know a lot of you know, that can just start running through your mind. I mean, you could, you could wind up talking like a five. You ever ask a five-year-old what they want for Christmas? <laughs> man, they can rattle it off. They can just, they can go. And you would think, man, Solomon's thinking of all these things. But look at Solomon's response. It's, it's interesting. He said, now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant. He's talking about himself. King in place of my father, David. But I'm only a little child. I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Well, it's very interesting how Solomon starts off. He starts off by acknowledging and recognizing he has a need for God. You see, Solomon was, was King David's son, but he wasn't the only son. In fact, in Solomon's family, there were older, older brothers of different wives and, and by succession plans typically the, the king would, the kingship would pass to the oldest son but the oldest son was a man named Abijah and God passed right over him and Solomon was picked to do it and I think Solomon is acknowledging God I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you God, I'm acknowledging that you're the one who's put me in this place. And then he acknowledges this. He said, I'm young. I love his attitude. He said, I'm I'm young. I don't know how to lead on how to come in, uh, go out. God, I need your wisdom. This is a big task and I need your help. He said, because these are your people. They're not mine. And what you see in Solomon is a real heart that says, I want to be a blessing to your people, God. That was the first thing he asked for. God, would you give me the the skills, the ability, the wisdom, the heart that I could be a blessing to your people? Man, that's good. And how God responds to this is really interesting. Let's look here. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Man, wouldn't you like <laughs> wouldn't you like if the Lord look at you and go, Boy, you asked the right question. You responded right. That was a good answer, Solomon. And uh, you know what pleased God? It's because Solomon did not ask for himself. He could have asked for wealth for himself. He could have asked for honor, maybe to be the most famous king. He could have asked God to kill all his enemies. Israel's always been surrounded by enemies. He could have asked God, kill all my enemies. God, so I got an easy time of this. He didn't ask for himself. He said, God, make me a blessing to people, your people. And it pleased God so much. And God said, I'm going to do this for you. He said, I'm, he said, I'm not just going to make you wise. I'm going to make you the wisest man on earth. He said, and I'm, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you wealth and riches and honor. Man, he if you read about Solomon, that brother was super blessed. And people came from all over the world to hear the wisdom that came out of his mouth. He had honor. He had blessings. Isn't that just like God? You ask for a little and he brings it back in a big load and goes, I got more than you could ever ask or think. The Bible said he's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think. And he did that for Solomon. He said, "Well, You know, Alan, all, the, all that money ruined Solomon. It was not the money that ruined Solomon. If you read the scriptures, you'll find out. He said when Solomon got old, he married a lot of young ladies from other countries. He married Sid, uh, Sidonians and Ammonites and Edomites and Termites, a lot of ites. <laughs> And he said, these women turned his heart. Say, well, women are thinking, that's not fair. Listen, darling, if you got 700 wives and 300 concubines, you got way too many women in your life. (laughs) Joy said, I went to an all-girls school. She said, I know what can happen in that environment. They turned his heart. It wasn't the money. Guys, it's not money that ruins people. It's the love of money that ruins people. And Solomon, Solomon did well. But when he started off, he started off so good. Such a great heart. say, well, how does that relate to me, Alan? Well, it relates this way. These stories are in the Bible, not just so we can read them and go, neat story. They're in the Bible so we can read them and say, there's principles here. And what we see in Solomon is is a heart that God could bless. A heart for blessings. How can we develop that? Can we do it? Yeah, absolutely. Is that possible? Alan, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to develop a good heart before God. And just because you're a preacher doesn't mean you have a good heart before God. But you say, well, maybe you don't have a good heart, Alan. That's why we can't see what God sees. That's why the Bible tells us not to judge. So bottom line is, how can I do that? How can I develop a better heart? How can I, here's the first one, give God a bigger place in your life. Now, don't go to extremes. Just think, I mean, I have to quit my job and read the Bible all day. No, keep your job. The idea is wherever you are, you you can give God a bigger place. You know, love is expressed not just in words. Love is expressed in actions. How do you know, don't don't just tell me you love me. Show me you love me. When When Joy and I were dating before we were married, she lived in Miami, Florida. I was living here in Clear Lake City. And this was in 1981. Work with me now. Go way back before cell phones when the only phone you had was a landline and how many of you remember that if you do a lot of long distance calling in 1981 you can rack up a huge phone bill and so Joy and I were like no we can't do that so what I would do is I would ring her once you know dial her up it would ring once I'd hang up so on her end she hears one ring then if she was there she would ring me back one time And that one time said, hey, I can't afford to call you, but I'm thinking about you. I love you. So periodically during the day, I'd hear a ring or she'd hear a ring. Isn't that nice? That's so sweet. You're like, (laughs) I think you can't do that today. Because with your cell phone, everybody got ringtones on their cell phones like, oh, really? Like I put James Brown on Joy's cell phone. I feel good whenever I called it with James Brown going, I feel good. Unfortunately, he starts it off with a scream. You ever heard that? Ah, ah, I feel good. <laughs> so Joyce said, she's standing in the uh, house is quiet. I'm not there. No one's there. She's working on the computer. And all of a sudden ah, ah, she said, she jumped like crazy. <laughs> James Brown is no longer on her cell phone. <laughs> But the idea is we do things. And by the way, if you want to spice up your, your marriage, it, it, it doesn't. people say, well, I got to go away. or We got to move. Ahead. No, no, no. Just start doing some of the small things to give to the other person. Love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's a given thing. Just small things. Just, just try it. Try it for a couple weeks. Come back and tell me how, how it works. I, no, I'm not going to counsel you, but just tell me how, how it works. <laughs> We can honor God. We can give God a bigger place in our life. It's also going to come out in two ways. Our time and our money. Giving God some time. Maybe you've never spent any time or you've done any kind of devotional time. You don't have to start with an hour. Start with five minutes. But just make a step. What are you doing? You're giving God a bigger place. And with your giving. With your finances. Do you realize that you're giving, God recognizes it and he sees it. Look what Paul wrote to him church in Philippians. He said, I've received full payment and have more than enough. They've given him a gift. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting the Bible says that when we give and do it with the right heart, it's an acceptable sacrifice and it's pleasing to God. We don't have to de- determine an amount. That's in your own heart. But giving to God, saying, Lord, I, w- I want to give to your kingdom, that's something that honors him and it blesses people, and it also has a promise on the back end. It said, and God will meet your needs. It's interesting that Solomon, the Lord spoke to him after he gave a thousand offerings when the Lord showed up in his life. I think there is some wisdom in the progression there. That's, that's the first one. second one is acknowledging and recognizing your need for God. Now, that really is the essence of what the Bible calls humility. People think humility is walking around acting like you have a poor self-esteem. That's not humility. That's poor self-esteem. Humility is saying, God, I acknowledge you as greater, smarter, and that I need you in my life. It makes all the difference. Now, you're thinking, I know people who are atheists, and they're successful. Okay. I won't take that away from you. But I'm going to venture this. They're successful in one realm, and you don't know what goes on else in their life. And what happens is you'll find that even very successful people, when they come towards the end of their life, they recognize wait a minute, hold on. Is this it? Is this it? See, there is another realm. There was a, uh, for those of you who are historians, there was a a baseball historian, there was a baseball player. in the 1905 to 1920s, named Ty Cobb. I actually hate bringing up any kind of baseball reference, but it's part of the message this morning. Ty Cobb was considered one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived he was from Georgia. They called him the Georgia Peach. Ty Cobb, in his lifetime, batted 367. Lifetime. We could have used a whole lot more of that last week, <laughs> but I digress. He, he was also called the meanest man in baseball. He would would sharpen his cleats to the point that when he slid, he liked to slide high with cleats up so he could cut the opposing player. When Ty Cobb died, three baseball players showed up at his funeral. And he was in baseball for over 30 years. He was the meanest. And in 1961, he reached out to a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. And he recognized that even though Ty Cobb had set a record for stealing home, he stole home 54 times. But Ty Cobb realized he couldn't steal home now. And he was getting old. He said he realized he wasn't happy. And he just, he, he did not have peace. So he reached out to this pastor. And this pastor came and shared with him a little bit. He said, Ty didn't want to talk. He said, but when the pastor came back two weeks later, Ty's dying of cancer. He said, Ty Cobb, the Holy Spirit had worked in his heart. And Ty Cobb made, had made an adjustment. This pastor sat down and explained God's plan of salvation. That you can't save yourself from being good. That you needed the Lord, and Ty Cobb put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he was saved. He said when the pastor said when I would go back to talk to Ty Cobb, he was more than willing to talk about Jesus. He said two days before he died, he talked with his pastor again. He said, "Pastor, he said I feel the everlasting arms of God holding me up." He said, "And I know I can pray." He said, "Tell them because he's famous." He said, "Tell them, don't wait till you hit a crisis. Don't wait." He said, I was late to it. He said, don't wait. That message is is so true. Because here's the thing, guys. Yeah, you can be successful in this life. You can have everything. But this life isn't all there is. There is a life on the other side. And especially when you're young, you don't think about it much. You think, man, I'm bulletproof. Life lasts forever. Life does not. But Paul told Timothy this. He said in 1 Timothy 4.8, He says, physical training, exercise is of some value. He said, but godliness or living for God has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You'll acknowledge your need for God. You can't save yourself, I can't save myself. I need God, I need him in my life. And the older I get, the more I realize I need more of him in my life. And more of God doesn't just benefit me on this sweet by and by, it benefits my life now. But it does make a difference in the next life as well. So acknowledging and recognizing your need for God, what are you doing? You're creating a heart for blessings. And then the last one is this. And this is so simple. Ask God for wisdom and how you can be a blessing to his people. Now what happens is you think, well, again, I'm not a preacher. I'm not public. Listen, guys, if we're going to reach a world out there that's hurting, it's going to take a whole lot more than preachers and singers to do it. It's going to take people who are willing to let God use them to be a blessing. And what happens is, and I, I know, I, listen, I've, I've been around a lot. This is not my first rodeo. I've been in life and I know how it can get. You got kids, you got business, you got career, you got family, you got all this stuff. And it, it's so easy just to kind of get your life just wrapped around you. You need God's wisdom to say, Lord, help me peek over the wall and realize there's something bigger than just me and mine. Help me connect with a bigger purpose and reach people beyond me. Just help me do that. Just wisdom. Now, when we started the church 23 years ago, man, I, we were, my head was down. We were focused building the church, building the church. And I went to a seminar where I heard a man say something that just rocked me. He said, if God supernaturally reached down and took your church out of the community, would the community know it was gone? And I remember that, that boy, that, that stung me. I don't remember anything else that was said at that seminar, but I've never forgotten those words because I realized we'd all been about come to our church, our church, our church, our church. And I realized, God, I can't do that. I can't just become to our church that you've planted the ark here, not just for people to come, but for us to go to them to be a blessing to the people around. This is so where we got our our value here to bless. And we bought some hazmat suits for the fire department. Shocked them. They had no idea we were gonna do anything like that. And every year, since then, we've done something and now we feed people. We do projects every, we reach out to the school. We do projects every month. We reach out to the elderly. We reach out to the widow. We reach out. And you know what's interesting is this church is not known for its building, its preaching, its music. The only thing we're really known for is we have a heart to bless this community and we reach out to this community. And, it, and people who don't even go here like us, because they know we have a heart to bless others. Now listen, if that will work for a young king, if it will work for a church, it will work in your life as well. Say, God, would you just help show me, Lord, how I can be a blessing to your kingdom and to your people. But you know, it has a promise. It has a a problem. I'm not saying the Lord's gonna appear to you in a dream and go ask for whatever you want. If you ask for millions of dollars, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. <laughs> but there is a promise that, that applies to all of us. And Jesus said it best. Matthew 6, 33. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We've been talking about a blessed life. And, and we've talked about different ways we can position ourselves by obedience, by following the Lord, by our heart. But you know, you know the essence really to a blessed life is not so that we can get blessings. It's so that we can be a blessing. In Israel right now, there are two, they call them seas, but really they're lakes. Both lakes are fed by the Jordan River. One of them is the Sea of Galilee. It's beautiful. It has all kinds of birds and fish. People go there. It's, it's got greenery around there. It's a, it's a beautiful lake. The other one, that's fed by the Jordan, is the Dead Sea. And it is dead. There's no life there. The saltiness of the water is ten times that of an ocean. You can't. There's no fish there. You can't swim there. In fact, they warned you. You cannot take children in there, and you can't swim there because if, it, the mineral content is so intense. And by the way, you can't sink there either. You go in there, you just you float on top of the water. But it's dead. It's like a, a desert all around there. What's the difference? Jordan River feeds both. Where The Dead Sea has no outlet. Water comes in, water never goes out. So it sits there. Sea of Galilee, the water comes in, and the water flows out. you want to have a, have a blessed life? Do you, do you know, really know the secret to a blessed life? Don't be a Dead Sea. Don't be somewhere where, the, where stuff comes in, but nothing flows out. Be a Sea of Galilee. Lord, you... Whatever you bless me with, I'm gonna I'm going to flow it out and, and bless other people. That's the key to a blessed life. Would you bow your head for a moment? As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just ask, Please, no one leaving or moving, just for a moment, just just out of respect for the Lord and His people. If you're here and you said, Alan, I I I don't know that I really have a relationship with the Lord, but I want to. Or maybe you're saying I, I did that years ago, and I had a relationship, but. Man, I've just gotten so far off the path, and today I recognize that I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. This is not, our intent is not to embarrass you, but to give you an opportunity to connect with the one who loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around if that's you though, that I'm talking to. You say, Alan, I, I do want to know that I know in my heart that I have a relationship with the Lord. Or, Alan, I, I want to come back. Would you pray for me? We're gonna do that. I'm gonna pray for you. I am going to ask you to do one thing. Just real quickly slip your hand up across this auditorium. Say Alan, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands up all over. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Anyone else? Alan, that's me. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? It takes courage to do that. Anybody say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Great. You can put your hands down. We're gonna pray. Heads are bowed, and eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Maybe you didn't lift your hand you really wanted to. You can pray this prayer with us. Because this is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Pray it out loud so you can hear us today. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer, for those who've come out of darkness into your light and for those who've come back home. We rejoice with them. Father, for all of us, as a church, as individuals, Father, make us a blessing to this community and beyond. To The people in our lives, use us to show your goodness. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.